outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode 302. And today, we're here for another installment of our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series in which we're checking in with hunters from all across the country to get the latest and greatest intel on deer activity, current conditions, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. And today we are back with our every Wednesday episode that probably you're used to by now in which we're doing our Rut Fresh Radio mini-series. This is what we do during the hunting season every week. It's an episode where we chat with hunters from across the country, usually four or five every week, talking about what is happening right now in the whitetail wood. <laughs> you know what, Spencer? <coughs> You gotta excuse me for having a sore throat right now, guys. And anyone listening, you can't get mad at me for coughing. You can't get frustrated with the fact that I can't get through our introduction. Because <laughs> I have a very good excuse. Uh, but but let me finish what I was saying. <laughs> this is where we get intel on what's happening in the whitetail woods. So right now, that might be how weather conditions are impacting deer. Or maybe how changing food sources are impacting deer. And the different types of tactics that might work. And then as we get into late October or November, we're going to be talking about the rut. And when we get into December, maybe we'll be talking about snowstorms. Whatever it is that's going on right now, that's what we're talking about. So, Spencer, <laughs> that's what we usually talk about. Uh, do you want to hear my excuse for why I can't talk today? Yeah, and it better be a good one because <laughs> that was not pretty. No, no, that wasn't my best work. <laughs> uh, I am sitting in a hotel room right now because uh, I am recording the audiobook for my book, That Wild Country. Um, so for the last two days, I've been reading my book out loud nonstop um, for I don't know how many hours, but uh, the voice is, is hurting a little bit. I'm actually working on something else the rest of tonight, which I do want to talk about, Spencer, unless unless you've got something really pressing that you need to start us out with. Uh, I want to kind of take a little bit, monopolize a little bit of our time here in the front to give everyone an update on something kind of cool. Am I am I allowed to do that on this fresh radio episode? Please do, because this is quite the announcement. So 
not only am I recording an audiobook, which is great and dandy, but actually what's most interesting going on right now and what I'm actually working on the rest of the night tonight is our Back 40 video series. Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week, right? We have bought a farm. The media team has bought a farm, and we are taking this project on to try to use this place as a it's kind of a canvas to tell the story of small properties and private land conservation and what you can do when you're trying to manage a property, not just for a bunch of big deer, but, but everything in between, bees and birds and bucks, and trying to find great hunting too. So that's what this whole project's about. Uh, we launched our first episode of that series on Monday of this week. So the first one's out there. You can watch it on the Meat Eater YouTube channel, and I, I'm probably biased because I'm working on it, but I think it turned out pretty cool. Did you like it? I really liked it, and I liked that it wasn't so whitetail heavy. Like, we're all obsessed to white. We're all obsessed about whitetails, um, but this took a deeper dive into, like, private land conservation and what one person can do with 64 acres. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, of course we're going to we're gonna do some serious whitetail stuff, no doubt about it. We're going to be hunting them hard. We're going to be trying to find ways to to tweak and, and manipulate and adjust and influence this property to have the best deer hunting possible. No, no, no doubt. We're going to be digging into that. But yeah, to your point, yeah, there, there are other things too. And, and oftentimes what I'm finding as I'm diving into this whole project and trying to wrap my head around it and learn new things is that when you start looking at these other species and plant life and, and all the wildlife out there, you, you're working on this foundation that still does support those deer hunting goals. So what we do for birds and bees is going to help deer too, and vice versa. So it's been a great learning experience. I think if you guys check out that first episode, you'll uh, you'll get a better idea of what we're trying to do. And now we just have to try to do the work and make it all a reality. So that's my update for the day. Um, have you done anything whitetail yet, or are you still chasing elk? Nothing whitetail yet. Uh, my first whitetail hunt is still actually probably like three weeks away so for now i'm just relying on uh our rut fresh radio guests and you mark to fill me in on whitetails and and keep me going until i get on that first hunt um are you going to be hunting the back 40 like next weekend Is, isn't that michigan's opener uh it's not next weekend it's <clears throat> it's like the tuesday after that i think it's october 1st if I've got my calendar right in my head, but yeah, October 1st, I will be hunting the back 40. So that, uh, that'll be my first Michigan update from the field, but I actually have a, a, a Michigan scouting update. If you'll take it. Well, I got a hot report, a hot tip from someone I know very well who said that the rut is on in full force in Michigan right now. I'm telling you, man, the rut is pumping. And the person who told me this is my wife. I kid you not. My wife, and she actually does know all about deer, she told me that she was watching behind our house. We had a field, and there's like some deer stuff going on behind the house. And she said she saw multiple bucks chasing a doe and fighting. Like, I'm not, I kept telling them, like, you're kidding me. Like, there's no way that's happening. What are you talking about? And she, she kept saying, no, I'm not joking. This is happening right now. I'm watching it. I talked to her on the phone while she was watching not just like two bucks, like tickling their tines, different bucks, three or four different bucks going back and forth, going out and getting after it. I don't, I have no idea what that's about. It's obviously not the rut. I know that, 
but there was some funky behavior going on the other night, running around. She said six or seven different bucks running all over the place, including like two nice looking deer. Um, so bizarre. I have no explanation for it, but uh, a very interesting observation from one of my top scouting expert experts out there. <laughs> so had to pass that along. We hear it all the time when it gets to October or even December during the secondary rut that all it takes is one hot doe. And uh, a lot of our listeners by now are probably familiar with like the fetus studies that have been done that kind of show that the rut for the most part, as far as breeding goes, takes place in like the same five-day window. Um, quite often that's that's the case. But there are does that get bred, like I think all the way as early as August and as late as like February and March. So if there was some random doe out there that came into estrus, then who knows? There's there's no rules at that point uh, for late September if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 gonna guess that it's something you know something else, just some crazy behavior. But you never know, like you said. Um, if it was a month later, then I'd be like, okay, yeah, it's one of these super early does. This is just like so outside of the realm of the usual, but I, I, I know I, I trust her that she at least saw that kind of stuff going on. I know that she knows how to identify that kind of thing. So I, I am intrigued and I uh, wish I was there to see it myself. Yeah. Well, besides that report, uh, we have a report from Cody Butler, from Kansas, from Dream Chasers Hunt, and then in New Hampshire, we talked to Brett Joy from Real Tree Sea Bucks, and then Greg Mead from Whitetail Properties in Kentucky, and then we go to Minnesota and talk to Matt Coleman from Captured Creative. Nice. That's a good slate. Is there any kind of unifying truth that you've gotten from these folks yet? Is there any theme of this week's episode? Uh, not really. People are talking about the unseasonably warm temperatures. And then uh, they're also starting to know some sign activity taking place and also kind of the food source shift that acorns are starting to hit the ground, beans are starting to yellow. Um, So there's kind of that light bulb moment that we've talked about before that you sort of see sometime between like mid-September and early October where the deer that you'd been seeing all year kind of disappear. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm interested to hear what's going on. I will stop my random rambling um, and just get let's just get after it. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, man. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months. Wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks. Or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So... On hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at TWC.com. 
health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Alright, and joining us on the line now is Cody Butler in Kansas from Dream Chasers Hunt. Now, Cody, in Kansas, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would probably say about a five right now. And uh, the reason why I say that is uh, we do have some trail camera pictures and stuff like that of bucks moving around in daylight, even mature deer. Uh, We are seeing um, some younger deer on their feet. Um, But for the most part, your four plus year old mature bucks uh, are kind of hitting that coming out into your fields and stuff like that, you know, right after dark uh, and stuff like that. So I'd say about a five right now. Are you starting to see the soybeans turn to yellow in Kansas? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, soybeans are definitely changing. Um, I'm in northern Kansas, so I can't really say, you know, for central and southern, but I assume since they're further south or the warmer, um, they are probably as well changing. Um, there's actually some guys around here. I live right on the Nebraska line, uh, just across the border here in Nebraska. There's actually some guys starting to um, harvest their beans and stuff so we're things are definitely full swing for change right now that's for sure are you losing deer on those yellow soybeans then this time of year yeah definitely um that's a huge factor uh just kind of depends on the year um we do have some actually that are pretty green um you know i kind of talked before uh we we had a lot of rain this way this year more than i've seen in my lifetime my house actually sits close to the republican river here and we almost had floodwaters from the river in our house. Uh, so some guys, you know, had to plant their soybeans late. Um, so, you know, luck, I don't have any of those, unfortunately, but there is some guys that are hunting, you know, good green soybeans still uh, because farmers had to plant late due to flooding and stuff like that, especially up here close to the river. Um, unfortunately, most of my Kansas ground is is deeper into Kansas, not right up here on the river. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of green beans, and that's really transitioned them. Um, to the corn, uh, which is not the greatest thing in the world, because when they go into corn, we can't really go after them too, too good this time of year. But uh, corn harvest has kind of started a little bit here and there on some dry land crops. So hopefully before long, the corn will start coming out and uh, they won't have as many places to hide. Besides with the crops, are you feeling the effects of this summer's floods in other ways? For example, did you lose any buck bedding from the rising water? Um, I, you know, I think so. Honestly, um, we did, I do have one place that's close to our home farm in Nebraska that I lease that's in Kansas. Um, the two farms kind of butt together right on the state line. It's a pretty unique situation. And my cousin was actually here hunting with me this year, uh, this week. Um, he drew a muzzleloader tag, which is what Kansas is 
season is right now. You can bow hunt and muzzler hunt. And uh, he drew a muzzler tag, and we actually went and hunted that lease on the river. Um, and they actually did get the corn out here like four or five days ago. Um, and it's directly on the river. And it's one of my best places. If you've followed any of our stuff, um, you know, I killed a deer we called Longhorn um, on that lease, actually, and a couple other really good deer there over the years. And it's kind of one of my go-to spots. And I've got a really good, uh, probably mid-60s 10-pointer and a, and a big, big 8-pointer that's probably in the mid-50s there um, that we really thought we would see after the corn was out. And we, so we went there last night, and we saw four does in total. Um, you know, for quite some time, they had to leave and find a different place to go. And I think it's definitely kind of changed the way they've acted around the river here, for sure. This time of year, when you have a lot of deer bedding in the corn, do you have a strategy for getting an arrow in those deer, or are they just unhauntable at this point? Um, it just kind of depends on the situation. Um, a lot of times I'll set my trail cameras up uh, this time of year, kind of to and from, like watering. I, most of my farms in Kansas, my grandfather, who um, has now passed away, but owned all these properties he actually put water holes or ponds on almost every single one of the farms for wildlife and which is good because in our area other than our lake here we don't we have a lot of dry creeks and i mean there's pasture ponds and stuff like that but there's not a ton of water around so i really try to set up a lot of my stuff this time of year when it's hot um trails going to and from corn um to water things like that and um you know, they, it, it definitely changes, or I guess what I'm trying to say is you definitely notice that you can't hunt those deer sometimes if you don't have water. If you do have water this time of year because it is so hot, I will a lot of times get those deer in daylight coming out of corn to drink um, if we have corn close to water. Um, so that's a really big thing. But there is places as well um that i just simply can't get in uh the place we hunted tonight actually is a 160 acre field and then of corn basically and in the very back corner there's about a five acre patch of timber with a pond there and we hunted there this evening um just knowing that water was close i actually have a food plot down in there as well and we set up basic transition of deer coming out of timber and corn and we saw like 13 different deer, I think, uh, didn't see the buck we were after, but we did see a few other smaller bucks and about 50% of the deer came out of the corn and went down and got a drink and milled around the food plot and then went back to the corn. And the other 50% of them came out of the timber and then headed to the corn. So it definitely, um, it, it definitely hurts us this time of year, especially when the beans are starting to change, they really transition to that corn. And once they're in there, it's definitely hard to get a pattern on them and get them figured out because they really don't have to leave too much. Have you noticed any sign making start to show up in Kansas? Um, definitely. Uh, there's actually a lot of scrapes and rubs. Uh, we noticed the place that we went tonight. We were after a big six-pointer. Um, he had been coming out of corn, going down into a food plot, and where I have a pond there. And we actually noticed tonight when we walked in, just three days ago, I actually checked the trail camera, and there wasn't any scrapes or rubs. And when we went in tonight, there was actually a brand new big scrape um, on the edge of the food plot and a pretty good rub on a cedar tree uh, just in the last three days. So I really think as some of these cooler temps come in, uh, I think we had a high of 80 today. By the end of the week, we've got some lows in the 50s. So I think as these temps start to drop, you know, these deer are really going to start making, you know, laying down scrapes and starting to figure out their territories and stuff like that. So it's definitely 
definitely they're starting to get with it for sure. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Kansas? I honestly think it's going to jump quite a bit. I really think we might be up towards an 8, honestly. Uh, we got some cool weather coming in. we got some highs in the upper 60s and low 70s. Like I said, lows in the 50s. I think that's going to be a huge change compared to what we had. Um, we've been having some mid-90s and, and things like that. So I definitely think uh, buck activity is going to go up when those temperatures drop. And like I said, harvest is starting. We've got some guys getting their dry land corn out, stuff like that. The more and more corn get out, gets out in the country here, um, you know, we're going to have more deer moving into those places, the smaller woodlots and things like that that we hunt here in Kansas where they're easier to get at and we can pattern them a little bit easier. All right, Cody, great intel. Thanks for joining me and good luck this season. Thanks, man. You too. Take care. All right, and joining us on the line next is Brett Joy in New Hampshire from Real Tree Sea Bucks. Now, Brett, in New Hampshire, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, it would hate to be negative, um, but I really feel it's about a 1. I've never seen it as bad as it is. Um, we have a couple different factors contributing to that, the first of which, and the probably most, the most significant, is the acorn crop. We have an incredible red oak crop in my area. And I think in a lot of, of New Hampshire. So the bucks really don't have to move very far at all. Um, well, they don't have to move. Literally, they could probably just get their caloric intake sitting on their belly all day. They don't have to get up. Um, that also, the fact that it's been above average temperatures, um, for the most part, there's been a couple of days that are about average. But I think there's been like, oh, I think seven to ten in the last, yeah, seven to ten days out of the last, like, 13, I think the seasons have been open for have been above average. And the last is the fact that I just think there's probably a few less bucks in the woods in New Hampshire than there were last year because we had an incredible deer harvest, which is a good thing for hunters. Um, but we also had um, no mass crop and an early heavy snowfall and cold temperatures during the rut. So I don't think that a lot of the bucks went into the winter probably in a little bit rougher shape than they typically do. And I, I suspect there is a bit more of a winter kill so just less opportunity for for bucks in general in the woods this year can you recall a season in recent years where the acorn crop was this big this early yeah we we this actually is is more typical than than you'd think we do have this probably every maybe three years um i think two years ago in 2017 it was like that thinking back i know that i've had a few back in within the past you know five or ten years that are like that so it's it's typical and it's something that we deal with every few years and you kind of have to expect that it's going to happen. I knew it was going to you just you scout and look for mass producing trees and they're loaded up. So, you know, it's coming, but no, it's still difficult. even though you know it's coming. How long do the deer key in on those acorns? Is that something that you're concerned with all fall or does that just go through October? Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty much all fall for us. Um, we have such a high volume, of of mass crop here this year that they will be keyed on those acorns probably through november into december and even some years we have acorns left in the spring that just aren't eating so that's that'll be the theme the entire fall obviously as things change with the rut that'll that will change the game a little bit but right now it's all about acorns and, and warm weather those are the two biggest things that we're dealing with so what do your setups look like this season versus last with those acorn crops being so different? So I think that the 
the way to combat this is to look at it kind of backwards. Now, there's food everywhere for the most part. So I try to focus on bedding instead of food. Um, that's kind of the thing that's at, I guess, the premium, although it really isn't because there's, there's food everywhere. But if you had to find a limiting factor, it would probably be bedding. But even in the big woods, that's extremely difficult as it is. But it's less difficult than trying to determine which you know, food source you're using because when there's food every which way you turn. Um, so really, I'm, I'm focusing on bedding and trying to run cameras around bedding areas and figure out where the deer are bedding. Um, and then I think once you determine that, you have a chance of getting on if you can just figure out, you know, what what stand of oaks that they're keying in on at that time. But the problem is, is it's, it's always changing this time of year um, because they'll bounce from stand of oak to stand of oak. If, you know, some oaks are preferred over others, acorns or a particular tree taste better. Do you notice any big changes in sign making in years where there's such a big acorn crop and those bucks maybe don't have to travel as far as they normally do? So I don't think I've seen a... a uh, I see much of a difference in the, the, the volume of sign making. What we do see is it's more in concentrated areas. So they'll find a bunch of resin scrapes around pockets of oaks that they're preferring at that time. If you find those resin scrapes, they could be on to the next, you know, oak, preferred oak of the week, and all that sign is you know, irrelevant. So you really have to find the sign right when they're making it, when they're there, uh, and, and capitalize. And if not, it's just, it's just you're trying to hit it right, and it's really difficult to do. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in New Hampshire? I think it's probably going to maintain at a solid 1. I don't see it getting any better. The extended forecast is still above average temperature. Um, if anything, there's going to be more acorns on the ground over the next week. And, um, you know, it's we're getting to the period of time where bucks are becoming reclusive and, and loners, so they're becoming even more difficult to find. At least the last first week of the season, we had a little bit of summer activity and where these bucks were a little bit more social but uh we're not going to have that anymore so it, it may even get worse unfortunately it could be negative but that's just kind of my uh my estimation over the next week i'm sure your forecast is close but i hope you're wrong brett uh, but good luck for the rest of the season <laughs> me too i hope a lot thanks spencer all right, and joining us on the line next is Greg Mead in Kentucky from Whitetail Properties. Now, Greg, in Kentucky, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Probably been about a 6 uh, as of late as far as daylight movement. Um, the, the temperatures here have been uh, maybe a little bit unseasonably warm in the upper 80s, maybe 90s in the days, and just didn't cool off that much at night right now. So uh, that's that's really restricting the movement to uh, probably the last 30 minutes or so of daylight in the evening and maybe the same in the mornings. What kind of food sources should hunters in Kentucky be focusing in on right now? Um, where they where they have them available, uh, the, the oaks and the acorns are really starting to, to bear right now and drop. And uh, particularly the white oaks, if you've got them, if you've got crop fields nearby, be it uh, soybeans or whatnot, uh, and they're really starting to move toward the, the acorns, which is pretty normal this time of year. With it being unseasonably warm, do you then focus on water at all in Kentucky? Yes, uh, that that does help, especially if the area you're hunting has a limited source of water, be it you know ponds or small small watering holes. Uh, if you've got long streams that are still rolling uh, year-round streams, then you know that that can be a little bit difficult to key in on. Have you noticed any sign making that started yet? A little bit, a little bit. Um, I think mostly what we're seeing, though, um, is is the velvet shedding, you know, where they're starting to rub, but they're mostly that 
there was a little bit of a peak there of that right around the end of August and the first week of September when they were coming out of velvet. I uh, haven't really noticed uh, any abnormally high amount, though, since then. I believe the cooler temperatures, though, really kick those animals in gear, uh, and they'll start to, start to show a little more sign. Where are you running your trail cameras right now, and how is that going to change as we get into October? Uh, right now, still trying to run them off of food sources, maybe on trails uh, leading to those food sources, or even possibly in the staging areas right before they hit those food sources. Um, as we, as we keep moving on through into the month of October, I think you might be able to get them on some early, uh, scrapes, uh, not necessarily breeding scrapes, but the year round scrapes that they make or licking, licking branches that they visit. And you can start to catch animals there or even in funnels and, uh, places where you, that the movement is restricted. Do you pay any attention to moon phases this time of year? You know, this time of year, it seems like, to me, it, not not really. Uh, the temperature seems to be the major dictating factor on, on when these animals move right now, get closer into the rut. It seems like, yes, the moon phases will, you know, start to determine a little bit of that movement, and you get more midday movement. But, but right now, it's just the temperatures just starting to put on their summer, their winter coats, rather. And uh, it'd be like you or I wearing a winter coat, trying to run around in 90-degree weather. They're, they're, they're not real active right now more than they have to be going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that bucket activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in kentucky um as i looked at the forecast it looks like we're we're heating back up next week as well we've got a day or two right now that's dropped down in the in the 80s but uh, as we move forward into next week the forecast is we're going to be back into the 90s so i really don't expect it to change very much uh through next week just yet but the first really good cold snap we get or cool front we get that moves in i definitely expect to see them on their feet maybe another 30 minutes or so before daylight maybe an hour total or something so i think animals could could certainly be you know exploited to to reach in there and, and get some kills maybe well good luck this season and thanks for joining me all right thank you very much All right, and joining us on the line next is Matt Coleman in Minnesota from Captured Creative. Now, Matt, in Minnesota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I would say it's about a 7. Not much for mature bucks. It doesn't seem like in our area, but lots of younger bucks moving. Um, Seeing almost all the younger bucks on the camera every time we go hunt. What do you think is the food source to key in on this time of year? Uh, for us right now, they kind of seem to be going off the beans because they're starting to turn yellow and mature a little bit. So uh, we really try and key in on like the brassicas, um, oats, if we have any of those planted, things like that, some of the greens. Have you noticed any sign making starting to show up in Minnesota? Uh, the last time we hunted, actually, we saw almost every buck we saw was either working a scrape or making a rub, and they're all kind of starting to spar with each other a little bit and starting to show a little bit more aggress- aggression towards each other. So, What do your guys' opening day setups look like? I know Minnesota just had their opening here about a week ago or so. Uh, for us, we don't have very many huntable trees on our land, so we sit in a lot of like box blinds that we built ourselves, um, build them big enough to shoot a bow out of them, and comfortable for a gun too. Um, normally we try and play the wind as much as we can not really mess anything up more just kind of observe the first few days at least and see what the movement is like on cameras 
how does your trail cam strategy change as we get into October? Oh, uh, we kind of start to move our cameras onto uh, scrapes, licking branches, things like that, and uh, just kind of more travel corridors. If new bucks show up in the area, then we try and catch them. Maybe start to pattern what they what they do on a weekly basis. Matt, for opener, were you still seeing some bachelor groups together? Uh, yeah, we saw a lot of the smaller bucks, maybe some like the two and a half or three and a half year olds in groups of about three or four still. The bigger bucks kind of seem to be peeling off away from each other, though. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Minnesota? Um, I would say the activity would probably be about a seven or an eight, kind of depending on what the weather is like. Um, I'd expect a lot of the younger bucks to still be moving. Um, some of the older ones, it's hard to say, I guess. It's kind of hit and miss in our area. I don't know. Uh, we're, we're kind of in an open area, some, some of the timbered areas maybe where they hang out a little more during the day and mill around could be a little bit better. All right, man. Well, good luck to you and the guys from Captured. Thanks for joining me. Yep, no problem. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Cody, Brett, Greg, and Matt for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're following me, Mark, and Meat Eater on social media, and don't forget to check out episode one of The Back 40, available now on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. Later this week, you're also going to be seeing episode three of How to Kill a Buck on YouTube, where me, Mark, and Tony Peterson discuss early October strategies and break down how we'd haunt a certain property. I'll talk to you guys next week, but until then... Stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.